episode 188 of the PJ Archive is an interview I did with the American dancer, choreographer and actress Jean Butler, who was famously the original female lead Irish dancer in the River Dance, which began as a seven-minute interval entertainment at the 1994 Eurovision Song Contest, a piece Jean choreographed with the leading male dancer, Michael Flatley. Jean and Michael went on to co-star in Riverdance when it was extended into a full show and became an international hit. Riverdance toured throughout 1995, but in October that year, Michael Flatley left the show unexpectedly and was replaced by Colin Dunn. Jean left in January 1997 and a year later collaborated with Colin Dunn on the show Dancing on Dangerous Ground. Jean retired from active dancing in 2010, but by then had acted in several movies, including The Brill Cream Boys and Goldfish Memory. For this interview in London in 2007, Jean was promoting two DVDs, Jean Butler's Irish Dance Masterclass and The Best of Riverdance. I started by asking how she felt watching Riverdance again, ten years after she left it. I don't really watch my own stuff. It's unusual for someone who's doing acting. Not really, a lot of people don't. Yeah? Yeah, it's just, you know, that overcritical eye. Yeah. You know, that's not exactly objective. So have you never seen Riverdance on DVD ever? Oh, I have, yeah. but, you know, you don't kind of yeah. break it out when you're feeling lonely in yeah. any way, <laughs> you know. No, I have seen it, but I don't really watch it that often. Yeah. And how long is it since you danced in Riverdance? Oh God, a long time. Have I left the show in about 97? Yeah, so a long time. Does it seem strange to revisit it now? It kind of does and it doesn't, you know. It's kind of nice in a way because I've had that gap and, you know, you can reflect a bit better on, you know, what it was all about because at the mm. time it was just so exciting and manic and, and crazy and rewarding. So, you know, it was, it was kind of too many things all in one, so you know that that, that gap yeah. has allowed me kind of a, a deeper reflection on the whole experience. Do you like the fact that that's what people most associate you with? Do I like it? I don't think I can get away from it, to be honest with yeah. you. It doesn't bother me at all because, you know, God, if you're going to be associated with something, it's, it's a very good thing to be associated with. I mean, yeah. it, I think professionally it's been difficult to kind of step out of that at times. Right. But no, I mean, you know, it's a piece of work that I'm particularly proud of, so... Yeah. So has it been a bit of an albatross in some way? Not really, no. I mean, you know, it's, it's been a calling card in a lot of ways as mm. well. You know, doors open because of it, so, you know... Mm. And what did you mean just now when you said it's been a little bit difficult professionally? Well, I think when you're known for something that's kind of as established as something like that, mm. if you're going for acting work or if you're going for something else, people just kind of see you as a dancer. Mm and they don't necessarily immediately rec recognize other talents that you may be fostering at the time, you know. I remember what, when I saw it at Hammersmith, I saw it several times, and the first time I saw it, I was absolutely overwhelmed. Did you see it in Hammersmith? Did you see yeah. me in Hammersmith? Yes, I did. Wow. <laughs> yeah, when, you first start, when it first started there, yeah. I think I went the second night, and I remember when you all jumped up, did that skip, when you all joined in the line. Yeah. Just, I just found it really overwhelming, it was extraordinary. Yeah. Did you ever find Riverdance overwhelmed? Did you ever find it moving when you're actually in it, or are you too busy concentrating on your steps? Well, no, I mean, God, certainly there's, you know, there is this kind of power in everybody dancing the same thing, you know, mm. and, you know, at the end of a particular run or a tough night, or if you might be tired, this power just helps you. Mm. You know, you can kind of feel it coming behind you, just like you feel it as mm. an audience member, and it gives you that extra lift just to mm. kind of finish off the way you'd actually want to. So, yeah. I always wondered how you all got in sync like that's incredible. Did you ever mess it up? Did you ever fall over or trip up or anything? You know, I think I fell once my entire time and it was up and down and right. that was it. Yeah. You know, and it's one of those things that happens and like you don't realise till you kind of left the stage that you actually hit the floor yeah. <laughs> because it happened so quickly. Had you tripped over somebody else? Or no, my foot or? went down and I just slipped and I kind of, as I said, I hit the floor and I came straight back up. Did you hear the gasp from the audience? When there you was a bit of a... <gasps> <gasps> um, but that was, you know... Is that a moment that you dread, that you have nightmares about when you were dancing? No, no, right. not at all. You don't really think about those things. Well, I didn't. 
in the video they show the Eurovision thing, which mm. I remember watching on TV. And after you'd finished, you explained that there was that moment when you could hear the pin drop, and suddenly there was this amazing yeah. reaction. When you'd gone into that, did you fear what the reaction would be because it was so different to anything else? That did I fear it? Hmm. Um, not really. No, I mean, no, I had no expectation, to be honest with you, of what was going to happen. I just. Again, when you're, it's it's funny in hindsight. People always think, you know, did you understand? And you don't, because mm. you know you're doing your job, and your job is to perform that in that moment, in that time. And then when it finishes, I remember I, I did when I when I did see the video, I saw myself. Go, I yeah. took like a breath, mm -hmm. and I think that was just because it was over, mm. <laughs> and we didn't fall and we didn't mess up. Mm. It wasn't like oh, isn't this wonderful? Mm. That kind of sunk in a bit later. But when you had that tremendous burst of applause. Mm that night, did that really clock in your head that this is something very special? No, not for a while afterwards. And I think I think that probably came because, you know, I had been performing with the Chieftains for a while mm. and um, I had seen audiences go mad over this, this dance. So, mm. you know, obviously I was overwhelmed and delighted that the response mm. was similar, but I wasn't like on the floor with shock. I don't mean that to sound arrogant in any way. It was just, um, I think I knew deep down, and I think all the dancers and performers and musicians knew that you know this this is very worthy entertainment. I thought though that if anyone had told you you were going to become famous for something, Irish dancing would probably be the last thing you would have heard at that stage. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I had. I mean, I that was it. You know, I think if Riverdance hadn't happened, I probably wouldn't have continued dancing. Mm. You know, because there wasn't an outlet to, mm. you know, other than the chieftains. And um, I had kind of been there and done that, so I set my kind of sights elsewhere because I knew that I wanted to be a performer. I knew I wanted to be on stage. And I said, well, if I can't do it doing Irish dance, I'm going to do it a different way. So it was kind of a lovely twist of fate that it came mm. back to something that I had been doing my whole life, you know. You've often been quoted as saying you never expected Riverdance to be that big. What did you expect of Riverdance when you were first shown it or presented with the idea? Well, I, I had no concept of the, of the audience that the Eurovision has, you know, because I grew up in New York and I didn't know what the Eurovision Song Contest was. So I just thought, you know, the Eurovision was just another gig, mm. you know, and then when the show started happening, I said, okay, that'd be great, we're going to play Ireland, and that worked. And then they said, okay, we're going to London, and that worked. And then, you know, y you just didn't want to put too much on it, you just wanted to take it as it came. You know, I didn't really think how big is this going to be and are we going to play Radio City or are we going to play the Pantages in Los Angeles. You know, you're just working day to day really. That sounds very boring but <laughs> that's how it was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It must be extraordinary looking back to think, yeah, how did you get here, you know, from doing Irish dancing? became a phenomenon yeah. out of the blue, didn't it? Yeah, but I think the climate was right. The climate was right at the time. Ireland was kind of coming into its own. Like, there were a lot of factors that were kind of right that helped the show work. Mm. You know, the Celtic Tiger, there's growing confidence, the diaspora all over the world who wanted to see something kind of celebrated that's mm. Irish, you know, so all those things were factors involved as well. But being from America, was there ever any resistance from the Irish saying, well, you're not really one of us? Um, God, it's very subtle, you know? It was funny, when I was with the Chieftains, I think because of how I look physically, you know, I have red hair, and that's obviously, it's a very Irish attribute, or it's known as one. Celtic, yeah. yeah, I mean, so they used to say, whatever you do, don't open your mouth, because then they won't know that you're not Irish. <laughs> you know, and I think there was this, this element, certainly within Ireland, that um, we weren't the real thing, because we learned to dance in America. Mm. But, you know... That goes by the wayside because what you do have is, you know, a, a kind of, I think if anything, Michael and I had an American mentality of just celebrating what we do and not being shy about that. And I think mm. that's what the show needed as well. Mm. Do you feel that Ireland has completely taken you to its bosom, as it were? I don't know. That's a, that's a tough question. You know, I'd like to think so. I've lived exactly half my life in New York and half my life in, in Europe now. Mm. I don't particularly feel any nationality stronger than the other. Yeah, I don't know if I've been adopted properly or not. Do you feel that your accent has changed since you've been Oh, there? definitely, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I go to New York, I get very New York. Right, right. <laughs> I think that's just years of being here. I, I pick up the rhythms that 
people are speaking. So I don't mm. think it's necessarily the accent, but it's more of a rhythmic thing. Mm. Yeah. And when you first went to Ireland, did you feel that kind of you were going home, even though you'd been born and raised mm. in New York? Did you feel? Really I certainly born. always felt a connection with Ireland, and I think that goes back to my grandmother, who's who's 98 right now. Right. And obviously through the dance, you know, mm -hmm. there was a strong connection with Ireland. And I loved Ireland, you know. Mm -hmm. I had no plans of staying in New York at that time. I wanted to come to Europe. I wanted to study in um, Ireland or England. So I went to, I ended up at university in England, but um, that was just by default. And then I always wanted to go back. Yeah, I felt it was the right place to be. Is dancing in your blood at all? In my family? Mm. Um, well, my mom obviously danced in school as a child growing up in Ireland. I think I had a great Uncle Johnny who was very good mm. somewhere along there. I never met him. So, yeah, I mean, I guess being Irish, it's in my blood, but there, mm. there is no, nothing more than that, you know? You started at four, I think, mm. I'm right in saying. Yeah. And some people might say, oh, the sign of a pushy parent there. Was that your mum sort of saying, you will? No, I mean, I think my mom was always really supportive, and I think she would have been equally supportive if I said, listen, honey, this isn't for me. Mm. But I really took to it, you know, I never, I never saw it as a chore, I never saw it as something I've been forced to do. I really love to dance, you know, and thankfully I was kind of good at it, because it would really stink if you loved something that you weren't yeah. good at, yeah. wouldn't it, yeah, yeah, you know. And I think I was able to recognize that, and I think a lot of that came from my teacher in New York, Donnie Golden, who's, you know, he's a very special friend, I mean, he's basically family now, but he really taught the love of dance, if that mm. makes any sense. I mean, Irish dancing is very much in a competitive environment when you're learning. You're, you know, you, you grow up going to competitions, and your worth is pretty much based on how you win. And although that was obviously very important, Donnie was, he just had this great way of, you know, feeling the music and kind of feeling the dance. And I think, you know, if I hadn't had that teacher, maybe that wouldn't have happened, mm. you know? Was there a moment when you were a kid that, uh it sort of clicked, it was just natural to you right from the start, or did someone say? Pretty much straight away, I kind of knew. And I, I've, I've, I've told this story, and I was thinking about it in hindsight, because I did ballet for two years before I did Irish dancing, okay. and I think that helped. That was from the age of four, was it? Yeah, so I started Irish dancing about six, and it's funny in ballet class because I never felt right. I just, you know, physically, I was really tall, and I had big, long, skinny legs and big feet and red hair, and all the other ballerinas were like blonde and blue-eyed and they had these pink tutus and there was just something about it that wasn't me mm -hmm. and I knew that and then when I went to Irish dancing it just felt right mm. you know I would have been much more employable as a ballet dancer <laughs> ironically if river dance hadn't happened yeah. but there you go is Irish dancing as big in New York was it then uh, oh, as it is in Ireland? huge really? yeah. yeah if anything it's probably slightly bigger in New York because just because of um, I think first and second generation Irish people living in New York want to hang on to something that is from home. Mm. So it's, it's slightly more important in a way, where it kind of everyone in Ireland has to do it. And if you have to do something, sometimes, you know, it's devalued. So. And did you win all the competitions from earlier? God, no. <laughs> I won a lot of them, but I didn't win them all, you know. I never mm. won the world championships, which is the thing to win. Where did you come in that? The highest was third. I was always kind of third, fourth, fifth. Right. You know, for actually in saying that, for an American was really good because mm. Americans never used to place that high at mm. that time. So, when you say it's very competitive, I think of that ice skating saga with Tonya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Do you remember when Tonya? It wouldn't be far time? off. Let me tell you. Really? What's, <laughs> what was the most extreme things you saw then? Just people's worlds collapsing if they hadn't placed where they wanted to place. Mm. You know, like tantrums and you know. But sure, that happens in the Olympics. I'm sure it happens, you know, in lots of different sports, behind closed doors. But because it's such a small world, you kind of know if somebody's annoyed <laughs> and upset. But you weren't distraught if you didn't come where you wanted. I think probably d during my my competitive history, I was at times. But um, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles mm. sometimes. You know. You didn't want to slash your wrist when you lost. God no. <laughs> <laughs> No, and I was, uh, you know, from the age of 15, I had kind of a, a dual existence in dance because I was doing the competitive world. And then because of my teacher, Donnie Golden, he used to perform a lot. So from that age, I was performing with him. So I had, you know, almost like dual personalities as dancer because in competition you have to perform a certain way and look a certain way. And there's a very, um, 
you know, your personal self is suppressed to a certain extent because of the technical things that you have to do. And then I had the, the, the show world where I was able to get up and dance more free and interact with the audience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was very lucky that I had that, I think, you know, and I think nowadays a lot of dancers do more shows as they're competing. Uh, quite recently you've been quoted as saying that if you carried on dancing you'd have had problems with your legs and so mm. on. Um, do you feel then that uh, it's not quite right to be putting children into that kind of dancing at such a tender age? I think nowadays there's a lot more support for dancers. Like, uh, you know, when I was a young child I danced on a concrete floor, tiles over the concrete floor, which is just detrimental. I mean, that's just insane to do that. And nowadays, you know, if, if there's not a proper sprung floor with a Marley covering, nobody would even consider dancing on it. And also with physiotherapy and learning, you know, different exercises to kind of build your core stability. It's, it's, it's a more considered way of teaching now, I think, than when I was younger, because you just got up and did it. But now I think also with, you know, the advent of all the professional shows, which are now, you know, over the last 10 years, uh, certainly myself, I would kind of look after my body a lot more because that's my livelihood, you know. Only last week there were pictures of child gymnasts in China being forced God. into positions. Did you see those pictures? No, I wouldn't like to. They were screaming and crying. Oh, it's horrendous. It wasn't that bad with the Irish no, dancers. No, 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 no. It was just basically get up and dance. Mm. And now it's like, okay, let's let's have a look at the shoes and make sure they're not hindering the growth in right. your bones. And you know, so it's just slightly more, as I said, considered, mm. and um, and better for the dancers. You know, they all understand about kind of aerobic activity and stretching and warming up and cooling down. Whereas we used to just get up and go. Right. You know what I mean? Mm. Press play and off you went. Mm. <laughs> You explained that you were very tall, very young. Mm. How tall were you? Did you shoot up to like six foot I was 12, always or? tall. No, right. I was just always like, I could never remember being small. Right. I was always looking down, and a good bit down right. at kids. So I was kind of the, the geeky tall one in the corner with big feet. How tall are you now? I'm 5'10". Right. Yeah. You look taller, actually. Yeah. I look taller? Yeah. That's good. I think so, yeah. Is that good? I like being tall. Do you? Yeah. Did you like being tall then? Because I hated it as a child. No, I didn't like it then. Mm. No, I didn't want it. Yeah, I didn't like it then. You're always last in line because they used to do it in kind of size order. And, yeah. you know. No, I didn't like it then. And did your red hair get you into difficulties with other children? Not really. Yeah, I mean, that red hair and freckles thing never really bothered me either. Maybe I just didn't tune into it. Mm. You didn't yeah. get teased and bullied and so on? No. I was too tall, remember? Well, I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> you didn't have any and I was fast, right. <laughs> so I could run. <laughs> yeah. But a lot yeah. of children do get persecuted for it. For it's never been a... Not really, no. Right. Yeah. It's a blessing. Yeah. And when you were very young, did anybody say, you know, there's something special about Eugene, you're really going to be something one day? Um, not that I kind of recall, you know. Mm. I was a very shy kid. Like, I wasn't... Um, I think that's why it kind of dance suited me, because I could just... We used to practice in the basement in our house. My dad built this little stage, and um, that was my little world. Do you know what I mean? I went downstairs and I worked, and I was quite disciplined. Things got tough. I just kept working, you know. From what age was this? Oh, I remember really young. Like you know, everyone was going off to the beach, and I said, "No, I wanted to stay home and practice," which sounds completely nerdy, but yeah, it's funny. <laughs> How do you explain that obsession at such a tender age? I don't know. I really don't know. What were you, about seven or eight or something? I'd say about, yeah, eight, eight or nine. And um, what do you think it was that was driving you to work so hard at such a, a young age? Do you want to be famous? No. I knew at a very young age that I wanted to be in the entertainment business. I knew I wanted right. to be on stage. Because I did a lot of school plays and things. Like, you know, I knew that there was something attractive about that and it might be something that I might be good at. I don't know. Why do kids do the things they do? But you sound very driven. But I mean, you come from a happy background. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. And a lot of people have come from poverty or disrupted childhood yeah. and so on. But you no. seem to be pretty happy for you. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I think there is a kind of psychological edge to <coughs> Irish dancers because they grow up in a competitive environment that they're mm. always looking for validation of their worth in some ways. So, I mean, Psychology 101, you can read into that whatever you want, but I think there is this drive to please. 
and that obviously pleasing would be pleasing the judges to win a competition. So obviously if you take the competition out of it, what are you doing? And I think that's turned on its head to a certain extent where I just kind of please myself at the moment, you know what I mean? So. But you said that you were eager to go into show business, to the entertainment business. But I mean, nowadays, of course, thanks to river dance, it's quite conceivable for someone who's in Irish dancing yeah. to go into the entertainment industry. Yeah. But uh, in those days, you must have thought, well, I'm never going to get in this way. Well, that's why I did. I wanted to act. That's yeah. why I did a degree in theatre. Yeah. 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 Did you go to like a fame school? Was that? A no, thing? no. I went to university in England. I went right. to uh, Birmingham University and did a degree in theatre. And I, I specifically wanted to do a degree in case it didn't work out and I could do something, you know. Mm. My family very much wanted me to have a degree, so. So did your family move to England? No. You just came on your own accord? Yeah. But why Birmingham then? I was accepted into Goldsmiths and Royal Holloway mm -hmm. and Birmingham over here. And I couldn't really afford to live in London. And I didn't know anybody in London. And I knew Colin Dunn, mm -hmm. who took on the role after Flatley. I knew him and that Irish setup up there, so I could continue dancing and do university at the same time. That's so, really kind of practical reasons, really. Indeed. Yeah. Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah. My sister's name is Cara, C A R A, yeah. who's a mad thing. She's great. She's a dancer as well, but she had a completely different attitude. She was like, it'll be fine on the day. And she's a great dancer, but she never worked like I worked. Well, I guess we were built differently. She's a professional Irish dancer. She dances with the Chieftains. She has been for the last 12 years. So she's in Ireland as well? She's based in Canada. Right. Yeah, so she tours with the Chieftains, and she also tours with her boyfriend, who's the fiddler with the Chieftain. Right. He has his own band called Quagmire. Right. So they tour with yeah. that as well, so yeah. And my brother's name is Michael. He works for Credit Suisse Bank. Right. My mother's name is Josephine Butler. My father's name is Michael Butler. Oh, he's also Michael. Well, he's also Michael. So the name Michael's played a big part in your life. Yeah, really, never thought of it like that. <laughs> your father, what mm. was his occupation? He was in the fire department for, for years, and he worked his way up to deputy chief. Right, so you retired now then? He is retired, yeah. He retired after 9-11. Oh, did he? Yeah, there were, there were six deputy chiefs and four were killed at that time, yeah. yeah. It's like the rank just above the, the absolute top, the commissioner, so. Where was it? Was he on duty that day? He wasn't, but he was there. He went in. Yeah, he was very lucky. I mean, he it was... He went into the building? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in New York. I, myself and my husband were due to fly out that day, and we woke up that morning to, obviously, the news. And my brother got married the day before. So my dad had taken the week off. And um, I woke up and the TV was kind of on in the background. And I thought he was watching a film because the, the one, one of the planes had hit. And uh, smoke was coming out of one of the towers. Yeah. I said, what film is this? And I said, it's not a film. Because he, he had just flicked on the telly as well. Yeah, so yeah. then he put it on. As soon as we put the volume on the TV, I said, you better go downstairs and tell my dad. The phone started ringing in the house and he was called in, so, yeah. And how did you feel about him being called in? Were you saying to him, please don't go, Dad? Well, I think it all happened so quickly, I didn't think anything, you know. And there was no there was no talking to him, I mean, he was going in, you know, I think that's the, the civil servant kind of... Mentality. Yeah, I'm going, that's it, you know, whether I'm on or not. Presumably, once he'd gone out the door, the second plane hit. And you must have thought, oh my God. He was, he was in the car when the second plane hit, and um, I just said, those, those buildings are going to come down. And you must have been aware your dad might have been underneath it. And he was two blocks. From it? When yeah, if, if I'm absolutely positive that if my brother hadn't gotten married, if we were home, if, if he was on duty, yeah. he wouldn't have survived. Jesus mm. How does that make you feel? You know, you grow up with your dad being a fireman, and, you know, he never really talked about it in the sense that I think there was always this kind of back here, this knowledge that what your dad did was pretty dangerous. Mm. But how does it make you feel? I don't know. You know, obviously very lucky that it, he didn't die. But yeah, you just have a kind of greater and deeper respect for people who choose that as a life, you know, as, the, as a livelihood to go in and be completely selfless about their own self and trying to help others. You said uh, a few minutes ago that he'd actually gone into one of the, the towers. 
No, he, uh, sorry, he was going. He got the, into the city. On his way in. Yeah. Oh right. well, then he, I mean, he was there for the whole cleanup and all the rest of it, which yeah. he said was. I mean, he called later that day, and it was like a war zone, you know. And he just screamed down the phone because all the cell phones were out and everything, and he just screamed down the phone, "Tell your mother I'm okay," and that was it. You know, I think he was pretty traumatized. Oh, and how did you feel receiving that call? Well, everyone was terrified. I remember my sister was living far away, and I said everyone just convened at, at my parents' house just to have, you know, safety and knowing everybody was Because, you know, there were planes still going over. Nobody knew, you know, what was happening. So it was all, you know, a bit of a kind of blur, and you just sat there almost in disbelief that this was yeah, going on, yeah. you know, 28 miles from my parents' house. Not even, so... Was there a period when you couldn't get hold of your dad? You were worried about whether he'd got trapped? We couldn't get hold of him at all. So for a while you didn't know? We didn't know what was going on. And that's why when he, when as soon as he found somebody with a so phone that worked. How many hours had he gone missing for, as it were, AWOL? Well, he wasn't missing. He was just working. So, I mean, we he left that morning. What, what did it happen? 9.14 in the morning? Mm. And I think we heard from him about 10 o'clock that evening. Really? Mm. So all that time you mm. didn't know? Yeah. Sorry, all the other chiefs' wives were calling my mom and they were doing kind of check, did you hear, did you hear, did you hear? And, you know, it was terrible because the next day, like, you know, slowly but surely it came out that, you know, four had died, you know, and they didn't know where they were, so. But during the day when your dad was at mm. work, were you all sitting together, you, your mom, your husband, and... Yeah. yeah. You were sitting in the living room just staring at the TV? Yeah. Were you crying or...? No. No. I mean, I think, you know, you're in this kind of, kind of, as I said, this, this state of disbelief yeah. that's actually happening and that someone you know is there. And also, you don't know who else you know is around or has, who has been hurt or who is working in the area, you know. So there was all that going on as well, cousins and friends and, you know. So every time the phone rang that day, you must have jumped. Yeah, it was a pretty draining day, if anything. So your emotions, when that phone call came through, you must have been amazing. I mean, you must have been so relieved. Yeah, absolutely. And your mum especially. Oh, she was in bits. She, she was a mess. I mean, she was right. certainly kind of unable to keep it together at right. all, yeah. you know, as would be expected. Right. You know. And what time did your dad actually get in that night? It was after midnight. Was he covered in... Gender? Oh, he couldn't even see. Right. His eyes were just, like, because of all the... everything in the air. Yeah, his eyes were like, it looked like he came back from war. And do you remember what he was like seeing him at the door? Did he burst into tears or... No, no. I think he was in a state of shock mm. and uh, adrenaline rush. Yeah, he just came in and sat down and, you know, there was this kind of overriding sense from everybody not to push him or mm. talk to him about it because he was, he was in shock. Let it sink in. Yeah, I mean, he was in complete shock. I mean, he saw body parts and, you know, horrible things. And he nearly lost his life. So, you know, I think he was just kind of decompressing. Oh, the shock of 9-11 sunk in with your dad then. Did it take a few days and he suddenly woke up and thought, blimey, look what's happened? Well, no, because, no, he was working straight away then. You know, he was in charge of, I think, the, the east side of the cleanup of the tower. Like, he was, like, positioned there and he had to run the entire, you know, recovery operation. So, and then I came back to Ireland, obviously, you know, we were on the first, first flight back into Ireland. Mm. So, you know, the whole thing was just very odd time. Do you think it changed him, changed your dad forever? Oh, God. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it did. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Obviously it did, but it's very hard to pinpoint how. Because, you know, he had seen atrocities in his life before, but I think not on that scale. And obviously the immediate threat to his life was um, there. When did you first come to England? Uh, just for university? Was no, it? I was here with the Chieftains. Right. The first time I was here, I was here with the Chieftains. Right. Yeah. And you were how old? 18. Yeah. Was that scary or...? No, I was dead excited. I was dying to get to London. Why was that? You, you sort of had a romantic view of it. Absolutely, right. yeah. I just thought the only place to learn Shakespeare was here, you know, which tells you a lot about my sensibilities at the time, because <laughs> I wasn't interested in Hollywood. I wanted to learn Shakespeare. Uh, ironically, when we first came to the UK, we went to Edinburgh and worked our way down. Right. So uh, I was gagging to get to London for another 10 days before we eventually got there, so, mm -hmm. yeah. 
And with the Chieftains, you worked with Mick Jagger, I think, at one stage. Yeah, yeah. Well, I first met them in the studio because I recorded with them and the Chieftains. So that was, that. yeah, that was just like a bit of a buzz, really. And then it was his 50th birthday soon after that. And uh, we played at his 50th birthday party, which was funny because as I, I always say, like, you'd always want to be a fly on the wall in right. that situation. And I was there and I was still a fly on the wall. So what did you see? <laughs> I, well, I didn't know anybody now. I'd probably know a lot of people then, so I just kind of sat and watched and went, I don't want to get in the way here. Mm. Yeah, no, they're, 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 yeah, I can't say actually what I saw. Now, Mick's always had an eye for a beautiful girl. So. Yeah, he was, he was talking dance with me for a while, so that was kind of fun. Mm. He's like, I have a choreographer, you know, I work with. Well, he's such an iconic figure, really, isn't he? Mm. And he's, such a, he's got such great style. It was just really nice to be in his presence and be acknowledged. <laughs> You know, being a, a, a young dancer as well, you know. No, he didn't you out, then. No, we, we did go out, though. We all went out. We went out afterwards, went to a nightclub, so that was good fun. Are you still in touch? No. <laughs> Rumour doesn't start here. <laughs> <laughs> and the pose, how yeah. Shane McGowan, how did you find working with him? Oh, it was mad. They were mad. That that gig was so mad because there was Ooh. just, at that time, there were just so many poses. I was like, everywhere I looked, there was, I couldn't figure out how many there were. Mm. Any funny story with him, though, because he's such a character. Well, there was the fact that there was a, uh, a refrigerator filled with tequila on stage, which you wouldn't normally get at a Chieftains concert. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of set the, the tone of the evening, that and the, and the mad audience. But yeah, it was such a good concert. And ironically, then, years later, I met friends in Ireland, new friends, and somebody asked me once about a concert, and I said, I was talking about the Pogues concert, and they were like, that was you. I was there. So you were wearing Kelly Green hot pants. And I was like, yeah. And you were like doing Irish dancing on the side of the stage. Were you? Is that what you were doing? Or were you actually singing? Oh, no, God, no, I wasn't singing. You just no, danced. I was dancing, yeah. Right, yeah. You were sort of, and did you feel that this is the way you wanted to go? Or even then you wanted to be an actress? No, because I didn't think I could go any, anywhere else but right. there. So no, I was certainly kind of, that was kind of the money gig, you know, mm -hmm. keeping me above board and, and beans at university. You know. Did you think in a way it's never going to get better than this? I mean, this is fantastic to work with Jagger and Shane yeah. McGowan. Well, I would never say I worked with them. You know, I was brought in as part of a collaboration. Mm. You know, it's a kind of slightly different, you know. I wouldn't kind of shout that I, I worked with Mick Jagger. But, um, no, it was just a buzz, you know. It's just mm. like, wow. It was when you were at University of Birmingham, you were asked to dance the river dance. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? Uh, I got a phone call from Moya Doherty. Right. Um, I had danced at a concert in Ireland with Colin, actually. Uh, Colin Dunn. Yeah. The Mayo 5000 celebration, which is a big television event. And my parents from Mayo. So I was asked to perform at that. And Moya happened to be in the audience. And, th and this is before she got the commission for producing the Eurovision. And when she did, I think that night came back to her. Mm. And she asked when she was obviously putting this Irish dance thing together, she thought of me as the female, so it was kind of that simple. She just called me. And uh, when and where did you first meet Michael Flatley? I had met Michael years ago in Los Angeles. Yeah, I met him in LA. I was dancing with the Chieftains, and he used to dance with the Chieftains. Mm. So he came out one night, so I met him there. But I had known of him for a long time because my dancing teacher was very good friends with Michael. And so. was he considered the great promise, the great potential? Well, I don't think anybody thought of potential in, in that way in terms of dance. Um, but he was always considered, uh, you know, a bit of a, a, a maverick mm. in the competitive dance world and uh, certainly a, a showman. Mm. And he was admired for his dance at that time, yes. What did yeah. you think of him in the early days? I thought he was amazing. I saw his work with the Chieftains on a videotape and I just thought it was really exciting. You know, I did. I but as a person? I think Michael's a very, very ambitious person. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket science to kind of figure that out. Mm. Um, he's very ambitious, he's very confident, and that kind of defines him to a large extent. I mean, did you not really get to know him? Was he a difficult person to get to know? Well, as I said, like, I think, you know, he, he's got tunnel vision, mm. and, you know, that's obvious considering where he's taken mm. his career and what he's achieved. So, you know, with anybody with that kind of drive, I think there's only certain elements that you do get to know. Mm. But we very much had a working relationship, you know, we worked together and um, that was kind of it. I mean, we weren't going for dinner after shows. Never? Yeah. You never have dinner? 
I think we did once or twice, but I mm. mean, that was really to discuss work. Mm. <laughs> Do you think uh, fans of the Riverdance assumed you were a couple or even hoped you were a couple? I don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask them. Did you? I, no, I was a bit older. Than yeah, you know, it's again, it's not something you kind of think about at the time. What are people thinking? I think, I think certainly there was this, you know, certainly in the papers, this was Fred and Ginger thing going on that everyone was really excited about. But I mean, that's just, you know, trying to put a label on something for possibly the sake of it, or because maybe there there was a bit of that. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think we worked really well together on stage. Yeah, you showed tremendous yeah. chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. Stage. Was that hard to do because you couldn't really get to know him? No, I think it was easier, and I think, you know, if anything, you know, Michael's 10 years older than me, so he had a lot of kind of experience and knowledge that I obviously hadn't built up at that stage. And because of his ambition and his drive, I, I felt it, it in many ways pushed me to, to kind of match that to a certain extent, because otherwise it wouldn't have worked on stage. So it was a conscious decision to, to kind of let him know that I was as ambitious myself. And I think that's probably why the chemistry works, because if he had like a wallflower on stage next to him, it just, mm. you know, it wouldn't have looked right. Why did he suddenly leave the show? That's a big question. I don't know. I think you'd probably have to ask him, you know? Aren't you still curious to know? If you, if you really don't know, aren't you curious after all these years to know? You've been doing a nostalgic reflection on the show and everything. One, I don't think it's fair for me to say why he left the show. I think it was a combination of many things and it, again it just points back to you know where he wanted to be and what he wanted and he didn't want to continue with the show in that way so he decided he was going to do it his own way I mean that's kind of the obvious answer and I don't think it gets any more complicated than that so it certainly wasn't a personality clash with you no no not at all I don't think I don't think I was even a consideration you know, and that again points back to the fact that he was just thinking of what he wanted at that moment. And did you feel disappointed when he left though? Did it, did it change the... It all happened really quickly. I mean, it, I think it happened five days before we opened in London. Mm. So it was a pretty, you know, frantic time for loads of reasons. I think there was a certain amount of disbelief that he was going to actually leave. And I think it took the company, the producers, myself a lot, uh, 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 you know, a while to kind of realize that that is what happened. And were you scared that the show would not be a success without him? I think there was that initial fear, but not from my point of view, because I was like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, and if anything, keep, you know, keep making it better. Mm. You know, I was really pretty focused, so I didn't see Michael leaving was going to affect it dramatically. Mm. You know. Have you seen him since? I saw him about six years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what were those circumstances? It was a TV, we were both dancing on a TV show. Mm. Uh, obviously not together, but um, yeah. And have there been requests for you to dance together again? Have you been on No, never. To... No. Right. Would you do it if you were asked? I have to think about it. Really? Yeah. Right. Well, th I, think, I think the situation would have to be right, you know. Mm. I can't just go yes, you mm. know, because, you know, they might ask us to do it on Blue Peter and that wouldn't be right. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's the potential for some kind of reunion somewhere down the line, but you know, I wouldn't, it would have to be the absolute spot on gig. Because you're so, so associated with each other and you created such magic together mm. for the time you were together, do you think in a way it's a shame that you, you haven't been able to keep up the. No, not really. I don't, I don't, no, because I think it was very natural. You know, our makeups are very different, and I think, mm. you know, we've always been pretty aware that we want different things. So, no, I, I don't see it as a shame at all. You know, I just see it that we're both following our own paths, whatever they may be. And how did working with Colin again uh, mm. compare to working with Michael? That's such a hard question as well. Yeah. I always feel so unfair because you're always, people are always constantly comparing Michael with Colin and I'm the one who danced with both of them and I just find it a really difficult question. One, because Colin and I are very, very good friends, yeah. you know, and, we, you know, I was, I had dinner with him last night. Mm -hmm. But it was just very different because we did have that personal rapport and friendship. We had danced before. So, it was just, a, you know, it's almost incomparable. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the easiest way to put it. Mm -hmm. Because it was two extremely different personalities, different dance styles, different pretty much everything. So, yeah. And how have you felt about Michael going on to create these other shows and becoming phenomenally rich? 
Do you ever think, blimey, that should have been me? No, not at all. No. God, I wish everybody well who kind of decides, you know, they want to do something in their life and they go and do it, you know. Mm. I mean, there's, there's admiration in the fact that he's kind of d delivered what, mm. you know, what he's wanted. Do I ever wish it was me? No, no, that's, that's not what I would be vaguely interested in. Mm. Have you been to see any of his shows, like Lord of the Dance? No, I haven't, you? no. I've never really been in the right city when they were playing. I mean, it mm. sounds like a lame excuse, but, uh, but I haven't been, you know. Um, I did see the, one of the videos, or a bit of one of the videos once, so. And um, when Riverdance was on, I think I read in the papers that your legs were insured. Is that mm. right? Mm -hmm. Is that true? Mm -hmm. And for how much were they insured? I can't even remember now. I'd have to call my manager on that one. How did life change overnight when Riverdance became the phenomenon that it did for you? Did your life absolutely transform as we imagine? No, not as you'd imagine at all. On a very practical level, it transformed in the sense that I had a job. I had a responsibility to that job. That job was using my body, so I had to start looking after my body a lot more. That job was also representing the image of the show and being a role model to young dancers. So that was, you know, an added job. So I think on a practical level, it changed for me that I had to think about pretty much everything I did when I went out because, you know, reporters were around at that point in time and it was just, um, all of a sudden, I had this great thing, but I also had to make sure I hung on to it right, um, if that makes sense. Yes, indeed. Yeah. It, it changed financially because I was earning very good money, and I was able to do things that most 22-year-olds can't, 23-year-olds. But again, with that comes a responsibility as well. So it, it didn't change in the sense that all of a sudden, I don't know, I don't know what people expect. So, you know, I wasn't like, I don't know, going out and trashing hotel rooms and spending loads of money on champagne and mm. things. You know, I was working really hard, mm. you know. But you mentioned the words, the image of the show. The image of the show, in certainly my opinion, was very squeaky clean. Yeah. Was, and was that hard to adhere to? Was it actually that squeaky clean behind the scenes? Or was there quite a lot of, you know, I don't know, the usual drink and drugs and that sort of thing going on? No, I mean, I, no, I never came across drugs in, in Riverdance at all, but certainly there was, you know, loads of jars afterwards. It's an Irish show. I don't yeah, think, you yeah, know, yeah, that squeaky yeah. clean image mm. kind of went as far as to say nobody drank. I'd like to have seen them dancing <laughs> after a few pints. That'd be great to see the line. Oh, God, I wouldn't want to see the, the mm. physios the next morning. <laughs> no, I mean, certainly, you know, I, you know, it's like any show that goes mm. on. There's always a few drinks afterwards. Mm. But again, it's different because we were younger then. So one, you, you could kind of stay out a bit longer mm. and you, you also you're working at night so you need that kind of release and the kind of calm down afterwards mm. so yeah you'd have a glass of wine afterwards and some people would have a few beers that's that's just normal how many of the girls the dancers were smokers were you all outside the stage door of Hammersmith Odeon before the show sort of well you could away? smoke in the theaters then couldn't you right that's true mm. yeah. how many I don't yeah. know but it wasn't just girls. It's interesting you no, said no, girls. No, that's true. No, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, only, yeah. I was only focused on the girls, of course. But um, <laughs> was there much interrelations going on within the show? Oh, yeah, there was loads, like, loads, loads of, of boyfriends, girlfriends. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what happens, you yeah. know, when you're on the road. You know, that is your life, and you tend to kind of... It's very difficult to have a relationship outside of a show. Did you have relationships in the show? I Yeah, I had a boyfriend in the show for the whole time I was there. Did uh, things ever get difficult with the, I mean, for instance, you were the, the lead girl. Did the other, sorry, did the other okay. chorus um, girls ever get jealous of you because of, uh, of you being um, the, the top dog? I don't think so. No. What? Sorry, no, there wasn't. No backstage <laughs> tantrums or people no. punch-ups? <laughs> not, not with me. I'm sure there were with, mm. like, between people and, mm. you know, a few girls made fancy the same boys, mm. but there was no mm. episode. You know, it was just kind of normal stuff. What was the greatest hiccup of the show? There must have been some, apart from Michael leaving suddenly, was there anything traumatic happened at all? Like scenery fall down or anyone fall off the side or? No, <laughs> thank God, no. Yeah, somebody asked me this the other day. Actually, it was Bill Whelan. He's like, what's your best Riverdance story? I was like, God, that's a really good question. Thank God nobody got hurt in my time there. Nothing fell on anybody or, mm. you know. But in the DVD, they talk about you turning up to a show, I think it was New York, and mm. you were in crutches or on crutches or something. Oh, no, that was that was London, yeah. Mm. I didn't do an opening in London once because I was, I was dropped on my ankle. 
nice. Yeah, it wasn't nice. In rehearsals. That wasn't on purpose. <laughs> no. No, it wasn't on purpose. No. I was wearing the wrong shoes right. as well, which didn't help. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, that was... There's a hiccup there. I was injured one of the opening nights. These days, when a young, good-looking woman comes to prominence, the lads' mads of mags are after them straight away mm. to get their clothes off for a photo mm. shoot or whatever. Did you get proposition of that kind, or Playboy come after you or anything? No. Playboy, please. No. I mean, I... I no, like, like what the, what loaded and stuff like that are you talking mm -hmm. about? Yeah. No, no. I think that was just on the turn, really, mm. wasn't it? I mean, I did some, what I would consider now is some pretty racy shots for some newspapers. Not racy in the sense of God, you know, racy, but I, I don't know if I'd do them now. <laughs> no, it wasn't topless. No, just kind of, you know, I was in one, I had like fishnet tights on and I was doing a split in this, you know, it was a, it's technically a really nice shot, but it was just, you know, I'd just be more protective of what I would wear in anything like that now mm. again, you know. Where at the time you don't think about it, you're like, I'm a dancer, show your legs, here we go. Mm. And then you kind of see it and it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you said earlier on that uh, you were making quite a bit of money in Riverdance. Mm. Are we allowed to know if it made you a millionaire? Oh, God. It made me very wealthy. Right. But I just don't, I don't, I don't feel the need to kind of advertise any of okay. that about myself, mm. you know. I'm, I find these interviews really odd anyway. Yeah. Well, Sit there and talk about yourself for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but you have every reason to be grateful for the show, by the sound of it. It's, oh, I am. It's, it's oh, terrific. there's, there's no, there's, yeah. there's no bone in my body that isn't grateful for it mm. at all. Yeah. I remember straight away. You know, you obviously you became quite a focus uh, of media attention. Were people saying to you, you definitely have film star potential and so on? Did you, your agent on the phone saying I've had a Steven Spielberg on the phone? No, to, no. Well, not literally, but you know. No, I mean, um, I, I acquired an agent in L.A. when I was out there very quickly. My agent in Ireland set it up. And mm. um, and I think a week after uh, closing in Los Angeles, and that's that was my last official engagement with the show, I did a reading with uh, Kevin Costner, which oh, was right. hilarious. Right. Why was it hilarious? Because it was just all so quick and, mm. you know, and I'm sitting in an office not dissimilar to this, and there's like six foot four movie star walks in the room. Mm. And we read for Waterworld. Oh, so I think people say you're quite lucky you didn't get that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like LA was kind of funny like that because there was loads of people kind of sniffing around because you're, you're the hot ticket in town, mm. you know? So, um, but yeah, I, I kind of probably, if I, I, I moved back to Ireland straight after that. Mm. And my agents in L.A. were saying, why aren't you here? Mm. And my agent in Dublin was saying, why are you here? Mm. Um, and I just needed a bit of time, a bit of space, really, you know. I had been on the road for, like, four years, mm. excluding with the chieftains. Mm. And I just needed to, again, just... Do you wish now, though, because time flies by so yeah. fast, do you wish now you'd maybe taken a few of the opportunities that were offered to you? You know, I haven't really worked that one out in my head um, mm. in the sense that... You know, you can, I can sit here and be philosophical and say everything happens for a reason and, mm. you know, I stand by my choices. Or I could say, damn, yeah, maybe I should have stayed. But, you know, I'm really happy with where I am. So mm. I think the break was right. I think, you know, I think I wasn't really, and I think instinctually that's why I came back to Ireland, that mm. I wasn't really ready for hanging out in Hollywood. It's not really where I mm. saw myself anyway. And I just think mentally I just needed a bit of a put the brakes on for a second. Did you stop Riverdance because of the worries over your legs and what it would do to you? No. Right, so why, why did you stop that? It was just, I was done, you know? Mm. That was it. I had done as much as I could. Been there, done that? Sort of well, n not in a kind of ungracious way, yeah. but, you know, I was just like, I had been with the show, I had performed, you know, to the best of my abilities. I, you know, I kept stretching myself um, as much as I could, and I just said, okay, and I was tired. Mm. You know, I was really tired, and I just needed to recoup, really. Mm. But I remember when we watched this, everybody was saying, God, that must ruin their knees and ruin their legs. And legs. Like, has it damaged you at all? Well, river dance hasn't damaged me. Irish dance has damaged me. Do you know what I mean? In what sense? Well, I mean, it's, you know, like any dancer, you know, it's very taxing on the bodies. And one thing that, you know, hasn't been built into this 
commercial experiment of professional Irish dance shows is what it will do to us in 20 years time. You know, I have arthritis. You do? Yeah, but that's not like, Jim Butler has arthritis. No, no, it's like, right. you know, it's... Whereabouts? In your knee joint? In my in ankles and in my knees. Right. Yeah. And how painful is that? But I'm kind of used to pain, so that's, a, that's again, how do, you, how do you measure pain? I have a pretty high threshold for pain, so, you know, it's just achy and creaky. It doesn't stop me from doing anything. Do you take cod liver oil tablets or something? No, I'm really bad. I don't take anything. Really? Yeah. I'm really bad. I should take like vitamin C as well because I have a bit of a cold. But so yeah, when you I just first eat get up well. In the morning, that's when he notices it because it? it's a bit uh, hard to stretch out the legs and so on. Yeah, but arthritis isn't about stretching. You know, it's just like this dull ache that you get, isn't it? And you are quite fearful for the future as to how your body's going to be. Or not really, because like, well, why fear something that you don't know what it is? Mm. You know, I'm sure it's not going to be great, but what are you going to do? I mean, if I was that worried about it, I wouldn't be dancing now. To what extent do you dance now? How often do you dance now? Um, for the last two years, I was in the studio 10 to 5, from Monday to Friday. Right. That's just practicing? Well, I was doing a master's in contemporary dance. Right, yeah, of course. So that was kind yeah. of, you know, yeah. but it was hands-on in the studio 10 to mm. 5 every day. And when you say dancing, are you talking about Irish dancing, or do you do any other kind of dancing now? For, for the next three weeks now, I'll be doing Irish dancing because I'm performing in Japan. And are you still as passionate about it as when you first started, or is it jaded a bit now? No, I, I you know... I'm just trying to find a way right now that allows me to express myself more fully in it, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So no, I'm still really passionate about it. I love to dance, but I love to dance when nobody's watching. Right. You know, and yeah. I'm just, it's just me in the studio and I can mm -hmm. do whatever I want because there's an element of kind of, uh, obviously, you know, judgment that you start putting on yourself when you're choreographing for, mm. you know, something to be presented to an audience. So, and I'm just trying to kind of find a way of being less critical and more revealing, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you ever found anything as satisfying creatively as Riverdance yourself since then? Well, my own show was incredibly satisfying. Dancing on Dangerous Yeah, right. that was even more creatively satisfying because we were trying to do something that was completely different. So yeah, I mean, that was great. That was amazing. How did you feel about the fact that it didn't quite match up? That it didn't run? Did it yeah, go? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was really disappointed, obviously. I was disappointed on several levels. I was disappointed that uh, the press, particularly in the UK, was pretty vicious. And that when the show did do good in New York, that nobody bothered to report that. Mm. Because, you know, Jan Perry, who's probably one of the most famous dance critics of all times, gave us the most raving review in mm. the New York Times. And it just made me realize that um, I think, if anything, you know, the fickleness of the business. And now, you know, I don't see it. I mean, I certainly don't see it as a personal failure in any way. Mm -hmm. I don't. I mean, there are certainly things that that were wrong and that did not work. But on a whole, as an artistic endeavor, it was really rich and considered and courageous, I think, mm -hmm. considering that all people wanted to see was Riverdance. Like, they didn't really want to see what we were doing at mm. that time. Do you think the press reaction was a uh, backlash for your success? You, you'd become such a phenomenon through Riverdance. I don't know. I don't understand the press at all. <laughs> I don't. You know what I mean? You know, and I understand that, you know, you have to take the good with the bad because that's your kind of position. But um, was it a backlash? I don't know. Did you see it as a backlash? Hard to tell. It is hard to mm. tell, you know. Do you feel you've been misunderstood? I don't think people know me, so I don't assume that they'd understand me anyway. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You know, I don't think we know people. I don't think we know from reading an article in a paper if mm. we know somebody or not. You might know a bit more about me, because you've spoken to me now by the end of this day for nearly two hours. Uh, no, I don't feel misunderstood at all. Mm. I don't think, you know, I'm, but I'm not aiming for understanding. That doesn't really concern me anymore <laughs> or if it ever did what does concern you most of all as regards your professional image and the public and how they view you and so on or are you past caring no I'm not past caring so I was past caring I wouldn't be sitting here doing this mm -hmm. you know I, I understand that it's 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 an element of my job as a performer as an individual solo artist but what, what I care about now is kind of just being true to myself and that sounds so so washy, doesn't it? 
But you know, I, I feel old enough to be able to, old enough in the sense of years and experience and trial and error, things that worked and things that didn't work, i.e. Riverdance and Dangerous Ground. I just feel like I have a really good perspective on what I want to do and I have choices and I don't have to do things, you know, and I want to do things that kind of, in some way, move me, mm. you know. Because after Riverdance there was a tremendous weight of expectation on mm. your next move, was yeah. that a terrible pressure for you and have you found it hard to deal with that? I think it, it probably was a pressure, yeah, and people, you know, I was waiting for it. it I find it hilarious, you know, you wait for these things, but a, a couple, I don't know, eight months ago maybe, there was this like, you know, this article, and I was sitting there, and I knew it was going to happen eventually. It was like, you know, the rise and fall of Gene Butler, and I'm laughing. I'm looking at this article going, <coughs> laughing but irate at the same time, just going, who are you to judge me and my life when, one, you don't know me, two, you don't even know what I'm working at, and I'm just kind of keeping a low profile, doing what I'm doing on my own. Where was that article? It was in the Sunday Independent. Oh, right. In Ireland. Yeah. And I just, you know, you just kind of laugh. I mean, I'm not Britney Spears. Do you know what I mean? You know, and I'm kind of well aware of that. And I quite like not having to operate on that level. How have you felt about the films that you've done? Do you think you've made good choices? I don't think, you know, my, my, my film experience has been big enough to even comment on. <laughs> you know? well, you've done three, four movies, haven't you? Yeah, but, you know, it's not like, you know, I've, I've pursued that with the same... Vigor. vigor that I have in my dancing career. I mean, those those films have come up, and I've done them. And I really enjoy working in film. I really, really do. But I haven't ever just said, okay, push you know the accelerator on this. Mm. Were they the kind of roles that you hoped to be offered? I think my expectations changed as soon as the whole dancing thing happened. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, before you know before Riverdance happened, and I had massive ambitions to be an actress. No, I, I wanted to do stage work, and I wanted to do, you know, great American playwrights. I wanted to do Tennessee Williams. I wanted to do Arthur Miller. I wanted to do Ibsen and Chekhov. And, you know, I wanted to do all the classics, you know. So the film thing wasn't really kind of here anyway. Mm -hmm. Do you feel you've missed the chance to do those classics, or you still hope to do them? That's a good question. Yeah, I'll have to see, you know. I think at this stage of the game I can't be playing around with things, you know, if, if I really want to do that I'll decide to do it, but at the moment I haven't, because I think, you know, I can't mess around anymore, if you want to do that just go and do it. Mm. So I'm kind of still just sitting here dealing with my projects that I have on the table, and then I'm going to clear some space in the beginning of next year and, and decide. How does being on a film set compare to being on a stage with dancers? Well, it's incomparable. <laughs> it's, it's very different. Equally intriguing, you know, I think obviously I'm more comfortable on stage and more comfortable dancing because that's what I do and know what I do and know best. It's a whole different craft film, you know, I'm just like, you know, fresh out of the water on a film set, looking and learning and probably I'm, like in film I'd be like where I was in dance when I was 17, just kind of looking and watching and learning and, and uh, getting inspired and, and it's quite addictive as well, you know. Have you felt a bit out of your depth, then, is that what you're saying? No, not, not, well, I think, I think my experience is greater in dance and I'm more comfortable in that area because that's what I've done the most of. Mm. So w when I do, do film work, I, I, I'm just conscious that this isn't my natural environment and that, you know, as addictive as this is, you know, obviously, you know, you have a lot to learn, just like I still have a lot to learn in dance. Mm. You know, I think the learning never stops. Have you got any more films lined up? No. I might have a play lined up, though. I'm not sure I can tell you yet. <laughs> okay. And is it one of the plays that you hope to do, or is it a new one? No, it's not one of the ones I mentioned. Any dancing required? Possibly, but it's not the focus. Are you going to do any dance shows anymore, or are you going to leave those now? don't know. So everything's open to... Everything's open right now, yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm at a kind of weird stage where I kind of have to kind of... Um, I'm pretty aware of marking the next era for myself in some way. Do you feel that the next step has to be a strong one? No, 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 I don't, I don't say that in the sense that, you know, I have to do something big and exciting and, you know, everybody knows about it, just for myself. Yeah. You know, I've been kind of, you know, I did a degree in contemporary dance and I have to decide, okay, what am I going to do with that? How does that inform myself, you know? Gabriel Byrne was in the film with you and he's yeah. a big fan of Riverdance. Did he get you in the movies? No, Gabriel is, um... 
very good friend of my agent, Terry Hayden, right. who is her, his agent as well. Right. So no, no, Cable didn't get me in the movie. Mm. Any he, nice story about him? He's or? lovely. He's mm. just a really lovely, lovely guy. And Eddie Izzard's another one he works with, and Christopher Eccleston, who we know now as Doctor Who. Any yeah. nice stories about those people? Yeah, Derek Jacobi was in that film as well. Well, that was just funny. Did you see that? No, I'd like to. I'm, I'm only in it for one. like 10 minutes. Right. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I'm right. only, uh, I'm, it's a revengeous tragedy, so I'm Bianca and Christopher Eccleston and I are married, mm. and uh, I get killed on our wedding day. Mm. So the film opens, and it's called The Revengeous Tragedy, so Christopher Eccleston is the revenger mm. of the tragedy of my murder mm. so in many ways I'm the reason why the whole film happens my character is the reason why the yeah. whole film happens mm -hmm. but uh, no that was hilarious I, I was sewn into this wedding dress because it was too big so they just sewed me into it and uh, we're in this tent in Liverpool in August <coughs> and it was a, it was the wedding banquet and there's this mm. buffet of all this real food the heat and the flies and the mm. flying ants it was just hilarious <laughs> and this dress was in, like you know big proper meringue dress with like netting everywhere and you look down it was just covered in flies that had flown into it <laughs> and uh yeah i die and i had to like spurt all this blood and and i had to, you know and i'd never done anything like that before so the, the director's like okay you put the kind of the blood gels in and you kind of bite down when you have to but don't bite down obviously and and oh and by the way you can't get anything on chris's shirt so when you kind of when you die and you're spouting blood just be careful not to get anything on him and he's standing this close to me and i'm going are you kidding me and they're saying no he's got to wear the shirt for the next scene and i'm like good luck i think i'll do my best but i mean what you're asking for is tough so, I mean, it was fun, though. I mean, that kind of thing was fun. Mm. And would you, are you hoping to do more movies, or you really are just, you know, laissez-faire about it all? No, I don't. Do I come across as laissez-faire? Because I, I don't, don't mean know. to. I don't know. No, I don't mean to. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of... It's funny when 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 you're kind of working on a lot of... I'm working on a lot of different projects, mm. and they're all kind of coming to their close in January. Mm. So I'm just kind of breathing up until that point. In the Riverdance DVD, you yeah. see Pierce Brosnan coming on stage at a special yeah. performance, I think, not that long ago. The Special Olympics, yeah. And he gives you a kiss on both cheeks. Yeah, he's lovely. Did you know him already? Well, he introduced me onto the stage. Yes. And then I introduced Riverdance. Right. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Did I know him? I had met him at the Royal Variety Show we did years ago. And then, ironically, I was asked to dance at his wedding, but I couldn't. I was away or something. The Chieftains were playing. And then I was up for the Bond film. Mm -hmm. Oh, you were? Yeah, Which yeah. Which one was that? The, the last one, his okay. last one. Right. Well, I think initially I was just being seen, and then they kind of honed in on a part, uh, which, which I got to the last callback. Which and, part was it? And then they gave the part to Madonna. Okay, all right. You were being fencing then. Yeah, because yeah. they liked the kind yeah, of, yeah. you know... So anyway, I thought I was good for it. Did you watch <laughs> it with gritted teeth, and did you think about no. Madonna? No, I just thought, come on, girl, don't, you know... Do you really need to do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, mm. aren't you happy? <laughs> I interviewed a beauty queen a couple of weeks ago and asked her if she'd like to be in a Bond movie because they often do it. Yeah. And she said no because I'd have to take my clothes off. Do you have a no nudity clause? Or do do I have no. I'd have to. I'd have to see the script. I mean, right. I have, you know. Yeah. No qualms about it though. Not that either. It would kind of depend mm. on loads of you know. Mm. I don't have any clauses because I don't have a, mm. you know. A status yet. Well, I don't have. Uh, you know a movie career as, mm. as it is so mm. you know but no I mean I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to nudity but I wouldn't scream yeah I'm gonna strip off I'd mm. have to kind of again see the context of it yeah. you know and um, did you watch the uh, the Bond film and did, do you think I'd like to do another Bond film if it comes up or do you think that's your I think you know just to be in a Bond film is really cool mm. to be in one you know it's just cool so no, I watched it and I thought it was great and I thought he was great. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of sorry he's not still bound for another one. I would have liked to see him do another one. Mm, me too. When you were in Riverdance, did you get loads of fan mail? Yeah, yeah. Mainly from blokes? No, no, from a really weird cross-section of people, right. you know? No, not... Did you get any funny stuff? What do you mean, funny stuff? Green ink and, you know... No. Come round to my place sort of stuff? No, it's, it sounds really horrible, but I didn't see a lot of it. Right. Held from you. Kind of dodgy ones were certainly held right. from me because there was the kind of a weird handwriting that kept coming for a while. So that was kind of, 
stalker? A bit, yeah. Did you? Yeah. What, from one of the fans of the show? Nothing happened. I just started... I mean, I don't know if he was out there, but I used to get these horrible letters every day, these pretty mad letters. Every day, what, the London run or the New yeah, York Yeah, London run. No, it was London. No, no madness in New York, which is you kind of expected over there. What were they saying? What was he saying? Oh, they were just like uh, barely readable kind of mumblings, and you know, it was just they were just not very nice. So I only read one, and that was the end of it. You know, threats. No, just kind of more sexual kind of innuendos, and well, not even innuendos, but you know, it was just a bit like somebody having a laugh for themselves, I presume, or some sick person. And did you go to lengths to protect yourself then? Did you hire a security guard? Or well, there was always security there, but mm. yeah, I mean, you know, no, no, nothing. I mean, the, you know, the police got involved at one stage, and did they? yeah, they just monitored it. But they, I think, they do that mm. anyway. You know, they have to mm. monitor monitor them. Mm. You know, but there's no way of checking. There was no post on it where it would return address or anything like that. But you know, how and when did you meet your husband? I met him en route to the gym. Not that he was going to the gym. I was on route to the gym, and he was with a mutual friend of mine, um, and she said, stop by for a coffee. When was that? 1998 or 99. And his name was Kuan. 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 Yeah. Right. Well, it would, uh, traditionally it would be Kuan. Kuan. Right. Yeah. And he's a fashion designer, isn't he? Yeah. And were you instantly struck? Was it love at first sight? It was for him. Right. <laughs> was he a fan then? No, no, that was the beauty. He, he knew nothing about my oh. past or what I had done. He had just moved back to Ireland, see, so he was working with Paul Smith in the UK yes. for eight yeah. years or whatever yeah. it was. So, uh, yeah, that was um, particularly refreshing. Mm. Yeah. Did he advise you on your dress because he's in fashion? He does, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, oh. he's, he's got a great eye for kind of colour and things. I'm not a very mm. colourful person. So if I'm buying anything in colour, he gives me a hand. How do you want people to remember you after you left this planet? Oh my god, that's a horrible question. What do you want to achieve in this, <gasps> this life? That's too big a question. <laughs> I haven't figured that out yet. Is it important to you to how you're remembered as a dancer and how your career is viewed? I think it's about being remembered by the people around you right. more than anything else. And how do you want them to remember you? As me. Which they is? know that. They know who that is, mm -hmm. you know? Nobody else outside of them do, but they do, so that's is all that matters.